I'm sure most of you are familiar with the little cartoon family circus and the, about the little family and the things that go on there. And one of the cartoons that they had, the little girl took her little baby brother and set him on her lap to tell him the story of Christmas. And it goes kind of like this. It says, as you look through the different captions, it says, Jesus was born just in time for Christmas up at the North Pole, surrounded by tiny, eight tiny reindeer and the Virgin Mary. Then Santa Claus showed up with lots of toys and stuff and some swaddling clothes. The three wise men and elves all sang carols while the little drummer boy played, and the shepherds and Scrooge helped Joseph trim the tree. In the meantime, Frosty the snowman saw this star, and there concluded the cartoon that was there. You know, it's, we get a little humor out of it, and sometimes we have our own little versions of Christmas stories and the things that we do and the things that are there. But there's some particular things about the Christmas story that I think can help us be reminded on a regular basis of the need that we have to continue to grow, to continue to seek to be the people of God that God wants us to be, not just at Christmas, but all year long. It's important that we realize that the message of Christmas, even as I tried to mention last week, is an, is an everlasting message. It goes on and on until one day when we spend that time in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ for eternity. But in the meantime, Christmas keeps happening, and, and we need to understand and learn some of the things that go along with it. We've already heard part, one of the parts of the Christmas story this morning, as you heard about joy and, and the passage out of Luke that reminds us of the reality that God, the, the child was born and the angels sang and all that was going on. If we look into Matthew 2, we're told the part of the story that reminds us of that the wise men saw this star and they followed the star and they came to Bethlehem in order that they might be able to have time with the baby and worship this newborn king. I want to take a moment to read out of Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, which is the announcement of the birth or the time when the angel comes and tells them that the baby is going to be born. And just to hear that passage of Scripture together. And then I want to just take some time to take three elements of these stories and allow them to speak to our hearts in such a way that maybe you and I can find in them that which will last beyond just a couple of weeks during the Christmas season, but will take us through all the time that we have day by day in our lives as we look at it. But would you stand with me as we honor the reading of the Word of God in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. The Scripture says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child has been conceived in her of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill that which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Behold. The virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife and kept her as a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we think about this passage of Scripture and this is Christmas stories that we find in other parts of, in the next chapter of Matthew and in Luke and 
Father, even the Christmas stories that we find in so many other places that sometimes we don't think about them as being Christmas stories, but that's exactly what they are because they bring us to the awareness of our Savior. They help us to understand a promise fulfilled, and they give us a, a guideline, something to help us live our lives day by day as we seek to be a people of God in the things that are going on. So this morning, I pray, Father, that you would take these passages that have been read and those that we're so familiar with that maybe we won't mention or read this morning, but they're in our hearts. We know them. We've shared them around a Christmas tree with our families. We know the stories that are there. But that you would take some of the elements of those stories and just remind us, Father, of that which is so important in the world in which we live today, so needed in the desperate times that we're in, that we would be able to let those things have such a part in our own lives they could have an effect upon people that we encounter each day of our life. And so I pray these things in the Lord Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. That's... You know, as we think about these things and as we look at them, there's three things I want to mention that come out of these as we look together and think about it. The first one is, I think we, we all need a song. We, we need to have that song that is there. We, we've sing in a, through, through the month of December, and I know Kathy said she was going to do nothing but Christmas songs because she didn't get to play them a lot uh, the rest of the time, and we hear those, and it just seems like this season of the year gives us a, a sense of, of the melody, of the hymn, of the harmony of life, and it, it just so much joy comes out of these songs and the things that we look at it. We love the songs that we sing, Silent Night. Uh, uh, is a wonderful night, song that we sing, Joy to the World, what a joy it was when the Lord Jesus Christ came and was born among us. All these wonderful songs, Oh Holy Night, what a night that is. And that's a beautiful song as we look at it, as we think about it. Of course, one of the newer songs, Mary, Did You Know? And as we keep on and go on and the things that are there, all these songs add something to what's going on. And, and one of the greatest songs that was ever sung was that song that the angels sang that night to the shepherds when they said, Peace on Earth. It's first of all, glory to God and, and peace on earth to all men on whom God's favor rests. What a great song that was. We hear it and we see it. It was found in an old German opera house, and it, this little saying was there. It says, as we look at it, it says that Bach gave us God's word, Mozart gave us God's laughter, Beethoven gave us God's fire, but God gave us music that we might pray and sing without words. Music makes all the difference in the world. I know many of you probably have had times when you've heard something and it just stuck. You found yourself all through the day that humming that melody, singing the words to it, whatever. It was just there. You could, it might not have even been a song that you liked, but it just took root and you held it and you just couldn't get it out of your mind. It was just there all the time. Well, that's what the song that God wants us to understand about Christmas, the song that God wants to do in your life and in my life. It's, it's the greatest song that's ever been sung. It's called the Song of the Redeemed. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that there is a song that's sung that it sings worthy to the Lamb, worthy to God. It's sung only by those who are redeemed. The world can't sing that song. Anyone and everyone can sing our Christmas songs. They don't never necessarily know what they mean. They don't have the same significance to them that they may have to you and to me as we sing them because we know the story behind the songs. But anyone can sing them. But only you and I, who know the Lord Jesus Christ, can sing the song of the redeemed. Only us, we who have experienced the grace of God and understood what it meant that God came to this earth and dwelt upon this earth and gave his life upon the cross of Calvary that you and I might have life and have it everlasting, that we might have forgiveness, that we might have a relationship, that we might actually be in the family of God himself as the very children of God. Only we know what it is to sing the song of the redeemed. And the world desperately needs to hear that song. 
how much hope is lost today. So many people are lonely. So many people are without the things. I read the other day that there was, uh, they did a survey in some of the hospitals up north. And they found that they took a certain number of patients, a very small number of patients overall. I think it was about 80 or so patients that they traced over a period of time during this COVID stuff. And they found that those 80-something patients went to the emergency room. And they went to different hospitals because they couldn't keep going back to the same place. They went to emergency rooms over 4,000 times in a matter of a month. Just those 80 patients. And they asked why, what was wrong? And their answer to every one of them was they were lonely. And they just wanted to be somewhere where there were people. Somewhere where someone would pay attention to them. Somewhere where someone would take note that they existed. See, that's why we need to have that song in our hearts. Because all around us, every day, you and I encounter people who are desperately lonely. Oh, they may be even in a crowd, but they're alone. They don't have friends. They don't know what it means to be touched by love, to be touched by grace. And they need desperately to have someone there. And so that song of redemption, that song of hope, that song of joy needs to be forever in our hearts. Not just during this season, but it needs to be a part of who we are. That understanding, that, real, that joy that is ours because of Jesus Christ and all that he's done in our lives. We need desperately to have a song that can be sung. And it needs to be sung over and over and over and over in our lives as we do that. We don't sing it necessarily out loud. Some of us, we're better off, for other people are better off if we don't sing out loud. But we do have the opportunity to sing by the way that we live and the joy that we express and the way that we touch people's lives. The music of, of the heavenlies are in our lives. We have been touched by the song of the ages. We have been changed because God so loved us that he sang into our hearts the melody of grace and he gave us love beyond understanding and he walks with us everywhere that we go and the music of heaven is in our lives, it's in our hearts. And it, don't you think it ought to show sometimes? Don't you think people ought to be able to know that there's something about you and there's something about me because of our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ that has set us apart, that's made us different, that allows people to see a sense of joy even in the midst of circumstances. So we're certainly not in a time in which our world is in a time of joy by any means. But you and I have a reason to be joyful every day of the, of the year in all circumstances, in all situations because we have a Savior. Because we have a song that has been sung into our heart. The song of salvation. The song of redemption. I love to sing those songs. I, I have been redeemed. I've been redeemed. I've been set free. I'm not what I used to be. Because of what God has done in my life. Because of the fact that God loved me enough. That he came to this earth. And he sang to the, to the shepherds through the angels. But that song was a song that is eternal song. It's a song to you and a song to me. That there can be peace in our hearts. Because we have a Savior. You can be peace in our lives. We can be at peace with God. We can be at peace with ourselves. And we can be at peace with one another. But that peace doesn't come by sitting around a table in a conference. It doesn't come through some kind of negotiation. It comes because we encounter the Prince of Peace. The Lord God himself and the part that's going on. We, we need a song, but we need a song that, that's like those that just keep going on and on in our minds and we just can't get it out. That song needs to be God loves me. God loves me. What a great joy in life I have. For today, I know that I am a child of God. Today, I know that I live because God lives within me. Today, I know that I have a Savior who has redeemed me, who has loved me. Not because I earned it, not because I deserved it, but because God so loved me that he gave me the greatest gift that's ever been received upon the face of the earth, the greatest gift of all eternity. He gave me himself in Jesus Christ. What a gift. 
what, something to sing about, something to celebrate, something to have joy in our hearts about. But we don't, don't just need a song. We need a star. We need a star to follow. And by that, I mean we, we need to have a vision. We need to lift up our heads. We, we so much, even in the church today, have gotten to where we let ourselves walk around with our heads down and our minds defeated, overwhelmed by conditions in our world and struggles in our families and all the things that we deal with. And we walk around as though we live in the realm of defeat. We, we've lost the vision that God has given us. We've lost the, the idea. And God wants us to lift up our head into the stars and realize again that we have a star to follow. We have a vision to put our lives in. See, this city, Kwana, needs desperately, desperately for a church to stand up and say, we have a vision, a vision of a God who is so powerful and so amazing and so loving that he wants to touch every life in this city. There's not a person here that he doesn't want to magnify himself to and help them to know the power of his resurrection, the power of his love and his forgiveness and all that's there. We need to have a vision of what we can be. We, we get defeated by living in the past and we look back and say, well, man, our church used to have this many people come and we used to do this and we used to do that and we had all those kinds of things and we begin to live only on our past and we've lost the vision of our present and our future. We've even given up the possibility that there is a future. We just, if we can just exist, if we can just get by, if we can just keep things going, well, we've accomplished something. No, we, we need to lift up our eyes and see the star of hope. We need to lift up our eyes and see the star, the bright and morning star that God has given us in Jesus Christ. We need to understand that God has not given up and God has not quit and God has not changed His version of the vision that He has for us as individuals, as a church or anything else. But God has a plan and a purpose and He still has a deep, deep longing to reach this city for Christ. He still wants to bless this community. He still wants to change hearts and mend homes. He still wants to do all the things He's always done. He hasn't changed his mind. He hasn't changed his opinion. And you say, well, there's not very many of us and we don't have all the resources that we used to have. And we don't have... God hasn't changed. And he still has all the power. I, everywhere I read in the scripture, he can do things, whether it's with one person or two or three people or maybe just a little boy with some loaves and fishes or maybe a speaking donkey. He can do what he wants to, anytime he wants to. He is not changed. The Bible says in the book of Malachi, in the book of Hebrews, that I am the God and I do not change. Jesus Christ, the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. And what God is longing for and what Christmas does as it comes around year in and year out is one of the things that it does, instead of just being the monotony of the repetition, what it does is remind us every year that we ought to lift up our eyes. We ought to see the vision of God. We ought to understand that God fulfills his promises, that God does what he says he will do, that we can take God at his word and understand that if he has given us something that he wants us to do, he empowers us to do it and he will do it through us. We can look this morning and say, well, there's not that many or many of us, but I can promise you based upon the word of God that if you and I were to determine to lift up our heads and quit living in the depths of the world and the ugliness of the world in which we are, quit letting it dictate to us our attitudes and our lifestyles and we were to lift up our eyes unto the Lord and see what he has in mind and live according to his plan, we could make a difference. We could make a difference. And it starts with just little things. We don't have to do the magnificent. It's not that we have to go out and take on some huge project that's, that's impossible to do. That's there. Of course, nothing's impossible with God, so that might not be a bad idea to try to do something that we couldn't do ourselves. But it's that we instead, it's that, that we, we're just faithful. 
every day. I believe God today is God. He hasn't changed. And, and I believe that God today in my life can make a difference in who I am and what I'm doing and what I, what I believe and how I act and how I relate to people. He can change me, and as he changes me, he can touch the lives of other people. And I might be able to be used of God to bring joy into someone's life, to bring peace into someone's life, to bring encouragement into someone's life. I might be able to be used today to walk with someone in their loneliness and lift them out of the despair that they're in. I might be able to be used of God this week somehow to touch a life and bring to them a hope that they have lost and a realization that they matter that they have worth that they're significant and they're not by themselves no matter no telling how God could use us if we just lifted up our eyes and we looked unto the heavens and we believe God you have a plan and you have a purpose and you have a desire for us that's what Christmas is Folks, Christmas is a reminder over and over and over that we have a star to follow, that we have a, a place to go, that we have a reason to believe, that we have a vision, that we have a hope that cannot be changed in the things that we do. If we'll just live out that faith, if we'll live our lives with a song in our heart and our eyes with a, our vision as a symptom of what God wants to do. But most of all, we all know what we need is a Savior. That's what the world needs more than anything else is a Savior read a story about a man who, a family, that unfortunately it's like too many families, the mother and the children went to church, the dad stayed home all the time and never would go to church. It's Christmas and once again they begged and pleaded with him, won't you go to church with us, it's Christmas and, and we'd love to have you go with us, and no I don't want to go, I'm, he said I just, you know I, I don't see any reason, I don't see any purpose, I don't, I just don't believe that God would become a man and live on earth. That just doesn't make sense. It's just not something that's believable. I can't accept that. And so they, family went to church as usual, and he stayed at home reading by the fireplace. It was snowing. It was cold. And while he was sitting there reading for a while, he began to hear some thumps on the window. And so he went to the kitchen where it sounded like it was coming from, and there were uh, there were a number of birds, and they just kept hitting the windows. They were trying to get into the house where the lights were, where it was warm, and being a part of it. And he thought, well, I sure wish I could help them. I, I wish I could do something for them. And he thought, I've got that big old barn out there. I could open the doors of that barn, and maybe they could get into the barn and be out of the weather, and that would help them. And so he put on his coat and stuff and trudged through the snow out to his barn, and he pulled open the doors to the barn and turned on all the lights. And Then he went over to where the birds were, and he began to try to shoo them try to get them to go to where the barn was and, and to go that way. Well, if you've ever tried to get a bird to go where you want it to go, you know that's kind of a hopeless cause of trying to do anything. We used to have a place in one of the churches I served was a hole in it. It was un never unusual to have a bird in church on Sunday mornings and the things that were going on and, of course, couldn't get it out it, and everybody was more concerned about the bird than they were the sermon. So it was really a good Sunday as we would have the things that are going, you just can't get them to go where they want them to go. You know, they're going to do it. And he tried everything he could do. He put out food in the barn. He spread all of his feet out. And he, he did all that he could do. And in frustration as he was there at the barn, he just, he just felt hopeless and, and everything. He said, oh, if I could just be a bird for a moment, then I could tell him. And then it hit him. Why God had to be a man. He fell on his knees there and said, God, I now I understand why you had to be a man because we weren't listening we couldn't understand the message we couldn't be that's what christmas is folks that god became a man because he wanted desperately 
for us to hear. He tried everything he could to relay his message to mankind. Throughout the Old Testament, we see him with all the prophets, with all the miracles, with all the things that went on, discipline, everything he could do. He tried to gather his people and bring them into the awareness that he and he only was God. And he was the only one worthy to serve and to worship and to give his heart to. And he tried and he tried again. And it didn't work and he couldn't reach mankind. And finally, God just put on flesh and dwelt among us so that we could hear the message. There is a painting by an Italian in a dome, one of the cathedrals in Italy, and it's, it's high in the ceiling, and, and a part of it is you look at it, and the only way you can really see it in a, in a, in a, without just standing staring all the time with hurting your neck and everything, they, they've placed a big, huge mirror on a table there on the, on the floor, so that people can come up and they can see from the, the, the reflection in the mirror of the art that's there and they can observe what's going on and what's a part of it. Again, that's what Jesus Christ did. That's what Christmas is. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he's the exact replication of God because he is God. That he came so that we could see God, so that we could understand God, so that we could know God and experience the wonder of it. Folks, if we could ever just remember that Christmas is not just a celebration of just a baby in a manger, and that's all that we think about Christmas. And as soon as we put that baby up and we put them and hide them and, and lose them, maybe lose them like you did your angels, whatever, but we, we lose it all. And we don't think about it again until the next December. God didn't come just to be God in December. He didn't come just to reveal himself as just a little baby. He came in the humbleness of a baby so that he might grow and experience everything that you and I experience in life so that he might be able to be that high priest that knows exactly what you feel and exactly what I feel, that understands everything in our hearts, everything in our minds, that he might be able to relate to us in, perfect, in a perfect way so that he could carry our needs to the Father. He came that he might be able to put himself upon a cross, that he might be able to die for your sin and my sin so that we'd be able to be redeemed, that we'd be able to have a song, that we'd be able to have a vision, that we'd be able to have a hope, that we'd be able to have a Savior. Because unless Jesus Christ had come as he came, unless he came to this earth and gave his life and died upon the cross for you and I, we would not have a Savior. There'd be no means by which we could be right. Paul says in the book of Romans that the law was a good thing. It served its purpose. What was its purpose? It was to make you and make me know that we were sinners, that we came up short. That we could never please God, no matter how much we try, no matter what we do. And it accomplished its purpose because the Bible teaches us, and we all know by experience, that we all are sinners. That there is nothing that could ever make us right before God, and nothing that you and I can do that make it rare. We have no hope. We have no joy. We have no song. And that's the world we live in. Every person around you without Jesus Christ dwells in that world of darkness. But a light has come. The light of the world. And that light has been born in you and been born in me when we trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives. And that light has given us an eternal vision so that we can see as God sees through the eyes that God has, so that we see people as worth and people of significance and we see how we can meet the needs of those people. He's given us that song that lets us sing with all of our hearts that we've been redeemed, we've been given joy, we've been given life. We live forever because God lives and we live in Him. Oh, what Christmas means is a celebration of life that is, joy, that is enjoyed from its beginning to its end that we find in heaven and no time in between are we to ever stop singing. 
In no time in between are we ever stop looking at the vision that God has given us of what can be if we just let God be God in our midst. And nowhere do we ever have to feel that we're without a Savior because we have one. We have the one. We have the one that matters in all the times that's there. I remember being in Tanzania, Africa, on a mission trip, and we were out with a missionary and some others and came to one of the villages that we were going to visit, and the chief's daughter was demon-possessed, and I'm not going to go into things there with you because I don't know how you feel about that and what you think. I don't really care because I know what's real, but we'll go from there and just understand that this daughter was demon-possessed, and, and we begin to pray over her and ask God to change her, to release her of the demons and give her freedom. And the missionary finally just looked at us and said, let's just sing. And we started singing, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. And we sang it over and over and over, and all of a sudden there was another voice that was singing. It was her. She didn't speak English. She didn't understand English, but she was singing in English, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. God released her. That's Christmas. When God is born in the heart of an individual, that's Christmas. That's a song worth singing. That's a vision worth holding on to. And it's a Savior worth proclaiming in everything and all that we do together. That's what Christmas is supposed to be for you and for me as we look about it. And so just to take those things that we're so familiar with, maybe this year we could ask God to help them not be just the familiar things of our lives, but the things that are extraordinary, the things that can't, we just can't get out of our mind, that we just can't let go of. That God loves me. He's placed a song in my heart that can't be put out by any circumstance of life. He's given me a vision of who he is and what he can do. And most of all, he's given me a savior. A savior. Just pray with me. Father, this morning as we pause again just to ask you to Take the, your words and place them in our hearts. Father, I know everybody hears differently than everybody else, and one thing means something to someone and another to someone else, and we don't always get the same message, and oftentimes the, the message that, that, that is intended to be received isn't understood by anyone. And, but, Father, we don't want to miss your message. And I just pray that you would help us to understand that, that Christmas is so much more than just a season of the year, so much more than just a, a one moment of an, an event in time in history, but that it's a lifetime. And that it makes a difference when those of us who understand its meaning allow it to live in our lives all the time. Father, I pray that the song of redemption would be a song that re would remind us every day that we have a reason to be joyful, to know peace, to know life. And I pray, Father, that you'd help keep us lifting up our eyes instead of looking downward at the grime and 
all the things around us and all the disasters and heartache and things that are there. We can't ignore it. We live in the midst of it. We need to be praying for it. We need to be doing all we can to help find solutions to it. But we can't be drugged down by it. We need to keep our heads up with the understanding that God is still God. And he knows what's going on and nothing takes him by surprise. And we can trust you. God, just remind us every day that we have been redeemed. That we are a people who have a Savior. And that that Savior is for all the world. And part of our Christmas responsibility is to take that Savior with us everywhere we go and do all that we can to make sure people have a chance to meet Him, to know Him in their own lives, and to celebrate the wonder of redemption in their hearts. For He is the one who can break the power of sin, the power that is held over others. He can break them, lose them, give them life. May we share His name with all that we can. Father, just put Christmas in our hearts in such a way that it takes on more significance and more meaning maybe than it's ever done before. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.